Hey, hey, what's up? It's Azizu back again, E-Society Podcast. And this is another Anchor Special Edition. This is the second part. But before I go any further, we're going to game seven, baby. It's the Nez. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, another Anchor Time. Um, You guys listen to part one. Um, uh, Chris, right on. But Shout out. Come on, man. We... <laughs> <laughs> All the other movies we live, we, we and we got love. We talked we about, love yeah, we we, we yeah, we saw those. But come on, man, take it easy. Man, you come on here and, and talk about it. We'll listen to you. Uh, anyway, forget. Sorry about everybody. Uh, the uh, game seven talk too. By the way, uh, <clears throat> NHL three game sevens today. Uh, one already finished. Uh, Hurricanes took out the Bruins at home. The Lightning are up. At the end of the second on the Maple Leaves, two to one. And then we still got uh, Kings at Oilers. And then tomorrow, two NBA game seven, Mavs and Suns and Bucks Celts. So, yeah, it's a big do or die game seven weekend. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, this easy. We'll be back with um, some NBA check ins to let you guys all know what happened. Yeah. Because I don't know, because I don't watch it. <laughs> but, uh, we're back with part two of our listchallenges.com. 25 movies that are basically perfect. Um, go back and listen to part two. But really quick, let me run through from 25 to 11. Uh, Citizen Kane, Chinner's List, Vertigo, The Shawshank Redemption, Godfather Part 2, Nomadland, Slumdog Millionaire, Fight Club, Creed, Parasite, Titanic, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Manchester by the Sea, uh, The Witch, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. Those are the ones we talked about with with, um, Part 1. Excuse me. But on to number 10. Uh... I want to say this was up for best picture and and that's probably the only reason I saw well that's not the only reason I saw it I mean I love um, uh, Social Ronin or whatever however you say her last name I love her so I was by another reason and um, uh, Lorraine Metcalf um, Jackie from Roseanne and the Connors and um, Mrs. Sheldon uh, from Big Bang Theory I'm Mrs. Sheldon. Mrs. Cooper <laughs> from a big Sheldon's mom. But anyway, uh, and this is Lady Bird came out in 2017. Uh, it's streaming on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen it, but in 2002 and art artistically inclined 17 year old girl comes of age in Sacramento, California. Uh, I believe she was about to go off to college. She kind of wanted to go somewhere far just to get away from uh, the hot and ruggedness of Sacramento. No offense to anyone of our listeners in Sacramento. I just, it's hot there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll be there in July for uh, Anthrax. But, um, wow. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Uh, and it's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, uh, this was a comedy drama. Did you see this one? I did. I got to see this in theaters with Jade, uh, right when it came out. Interestingly, in the theater we don't get too often the uh, minor in arcade it actually closed for wilds back now uh that's where i was able to see uh, french dispatch but yeah back uh, years ago when this came out uh we saw it and yeah uh, i understand you know why it's here on the list and uh 
I would agree it deserves its spot. Uh, the like I said, the small theater we saw it in, it it was it's one of the, it is truly one of those small theaters where it seats maybe like twenty seats. It's truly small, and I'm pretty sure it was like a sellout uh, show. Like every seat was full, so that was a thing. Also, interesting little note. Uh, it's funny um, before I was even aware of the band Heim, it turns out one of my favorite songs of theirs that they didn't play, sadly, when we were uh, we saw them in concert. Uh, Little of Your Love is actually on the soundtrack for uh, Lady Bird. I was like, ha! Huh. It was funny to hear all these years later. Like It was like, oh, man, like, their song was right there on the soundtrack, and I had no idea. <laughs> Jeez, how old was, um, is it Alana? Is that her name, the youngest one? Yeah. How old is she in, uh, let's just say, 2016 when they recorded that that song? Is she a teenager? Uh, no, because, like, what was 2016? No, because, yeah, they're, they're all... Uh, she's uh, she's, she's got to be like low, mid-20s, 20, maybe. 29. Oh, yeah, she she's like 28, 29 now, so... Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, those early twenties. <laughs> those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Well, uh, when we get to the regular episode, we'll uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about all that. Um, yeah, they. I always say this though, and then we can get off the Heim talk. It's crazy. Their first show they did at Cantor's in uh, L.A. <laughs> Este was thirteen, Danielle was ten, and Alana was only seven years old. That's insane. That they let a seven-year-old perform as part of a band. <laughs> well, I've seen some young kids doing it. Um, yeah, at, I mean, uh, I guess it's not unprecedented. Remember, uh, was uh, ABC? Those, those, they were kids. <laughs> yeah, crisscross. They were kids. I don't know if they were seven though. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking of a. Uh, Selena y los Dinos. They were just little kids when they started. Uh, right. Their climb to fame. But <clears throat> all right. But Lady Bird. Uh, yeah, it was a really good movie. I, I loved uh, what was going on. And Saoirse Ronan, she's she's one of those in indie films. I mean, the first thing oh, that yeah. I had ever seen her in was in um, Hannah when we uh, went to the screening at uh, WonderCon in San Francisco. I actually got to meet her, too. So she was really nice. Um, but all right. Uh, awesome film. I would say it is a perfect film. There wasn't anything in it that, that yeah. I remember that was like, oh, this is too long. This is too boring. Deserved. Yeah, it was like a dramatic comedy. And I, and I really liked what was going on. And uh, I, I got to give it to her because when she was on Saturday Night Live, she's got that thick accent and she can get rid of it like it ain't nothing. So <laughs> I really love uh, when actors can do that if they have accents. But all right, moving on to. Oh, excuse me. Number nine. This is a film that came out in 2017. I had seen it first and then I drug the Zissou to go see it. And this is 2017's Jordan Peele's Get Out. A young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where his simmering uneasiness uh, uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. Okay. 
Um, you guys all know what Get Out is. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, come on, where are you been living under a rock? Uh, as far as this film being the perfect film, um, yeah, I would say um, they did have alternate endings. There wasn't the one of the end. I love the ending they used, but I think if there was the one of the alternate endings where they used where um, where the young gentleman, what the hell was his name, uh, Chris, uh, that was his character, Daniel. Kalua? Yeah, him. <laughs> Kaluuya? Uh his his character ended up uh getting arrested and, and going to jail for the murder of I guess basically everyone in that house, the the doctor, the wife and uh, uh it's the better girl. that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh his buddy, um Lil 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 Ray, uh Howery, he was uh, Rod Williams, he was he was awesome in it. Everybody in it was good. Yeah, but this uh, this film was awesome, and it uh, for Jordan Peele's first go out, I thought this was more of a thriller. Uh, it's labor labeled here horror mystery thriller, but you guys know me. It's not a traditional horror film. There was there was some horrific stuff in it, but um, again, that's what that's what he's calling. He he said, "Oh, this is a horror movie." Uh, so I'm like, all right, whatever. But I mean, you guys know me if you listen to the show, and if you're new, thank you, welcome. <laughs> and uh, you're gonna get a lot of this from me. Um, but um, I thought the film was awesome. I loved what was going on, the music, the uh, the soundtrack, the score, uh, the cinematography, and the special effects they use, especially when he got um, like he was sucked underwater uh, when he was uh, under under the trance or whatever. I thought that was really cool. Uh, what's his nuts from Atlanta? Uh, for the little bit he was in it, I thought he was cool. What the hell is that guy's name? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um, but man, this movie was awesome because, I, like I said, I had seen it first, and then the Zisu was yeah. in town, so I said, "Come on, you need to see this because this is one of those films everyone's gonna be talking <laughs> about." So I drug him out to see it. Yeah, uh, yeah. What'd you think oh. of this one? Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, instant classic. Uh, Big time debut. Uh, if you have listened to the show, you know how much I'm a fan of the next film that Jordan Peele did, Us. I love this. So to me, just personally, I would put Us above Get Out. But I understand why Get Out has that title. It, it makes complete sense to me. And I am looking forward to uh, his next go uh, a little later this summer, uh, Nope. So, uh, but yeah, uh, totally deserving of this spot. Yeah, that new one. Um, I'm still unsure on what to. I assume it has something to do with aliens, but I, I don't know. We could be the the trailer could I'm be misle- could <laughs> be misleading us to something else. So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm going to see yeah. it when it comes out. But um, yeah. but this one was awesome. Us uh, was was I good love too. Us. God, that I, one's good. I, if I had to choose out of the two, I would go get out. I mean, I left the theater a little more like, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I did no, I, I did as that. well with, with us. But it, that one that one was really good. That one I had a lot to say when we were talking I about love that, one. that one. I don't I remember what episode that, that was. But I'm everyone, so glad they did all the pops for that, too. I had to get the chase for that. It's of the... Uh, the other version of the uh, the young kid, the the brother in the 
the with his like mask pulled up. I want the one with the mask down. That's the only one I want. I can't even that's, find it. Yeah, that's the regular edition version. That's the yeah. one I like. Um, what was his name in that one? Um, geez, I can't. The little boy's name when uh, not the the real one. The Pluto. Pluto. Yeah, that was his name when he was. The uh, other one. I went on a ruin for you guys because when he, he when he was regular, he was Jason. When he was the other one with the mask, he was Pluto. Well, I guess Jason had the mask too. But anyway, go watch us, everyone. Awesome. Yeah. Film. I, oh, damn, I haven't yeah. seen that in a while. <laughs> I have to, might have to do a rewind on that one. But yeah. uh, Get Out, as far as it being a perfect film, it is. Um, I liked the ending they chose and uh, the theatrical ending, not the, uh, the alternate ending when he gets arrested and everything because that one was kind of like, oh, man, because he was in jail and Everything. I just like. Oh, I, I would have been if that would have been the ending. I would have. I would have left the theater like hell no. After all that bullshit that he went through, and he has he's, he's getting blamed for killing everyone. Well, he did kill people, but spoiler alert. But it was self defense. <laughs> but uh, we'll be here all night. If we, if we, I don't want to pull out the soapbox on that one. But all right, <laughs> moving on to number eight. Uh, I had issues with it. I don't really know. For me, this is my opinion. I wouldn't go as far as calling it the perfect one, uh, per, a perfect film. I, I thought the first part was perfect, um, but I'm talking about uh, 2019's Avengers Endgame. I thought Infinity War, to me, out of the two, was uh, a little bit uh, better movie. I think only because it left on such a downer when, when the snap happened. And everyone disappeared, and then I started crying when Spider Man, when Spider Man did what Peter Parker did, want to want to die, and all that. It was just like, uh, and then the movie was over. We all knew it was coming to an end because it was it was getting end game, but it was like, oh my god! And did we have to wait a year before that? end game yeah. to come out? Yeah. Yep. But um, I remember leaving the theater like, man, like I was like. Like they just yeah, pulled the rug stunning. out from under me. Yeah. It was stunning. <laughs> I definitely didn't see that coming. I couldn't believe they dared actually do that, especially the fact we knew we weren't getting before that before that too, they hadn't even named it in game. It was just like gonna be like basically Infinity War Part Two. I'm glad they changed it to in game. But yeah, originally it was just like part two was coming. Even then, like I couldn't believe they dared do that. Like when it was happening, I was like, Whoa, like, and then it really does leave you like just so stunned infinity, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean this, of course this one had to wrap everything up and we got the huge battle, which was awesome. Uh, I was hoping this was going to lead into new characters uh, in the MCU mainly like uh, the X-Men or Fantastic Four or, or somebody um, we didn't get that we, it was just still all the uh, the regulars that we had saw up to this point but uh, with that being said it was an amazing film and I, I we all cried when Tony died spoiler alert if you hadn't seen it we should have by now um, and the ending when we got old Captain America, uh, old Steve Rogers, <laughs> I was like, damn. Um, but it, it was cool. I mean, or the other part that got me is when he saw Carter, uh, Agent Carter, uh, when he saw her again. 
when they uh, went back in, in time and everything, or even when um, Tony was talking to his dad, uh, that part. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite part in the film was when they were talking about time travel. Uh, when they're just telling for everything we've seen, forget it. <laughs> when they yeah. started naming up all those uh, um, time travel movies, because that was when um, what's his nuts, uh, Smart Hulk, or what they call him, Professor, uh, Professor Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they when they were all talking about the time travel movies, and and he was like, "Who who told you that? Where, where did you hear that?" And then they just started <laughs> rambling off all the movies, <laughs> but. Oh man, but the movie was amazing. Um, uh, well, I guess talking about it, yeah, I could say uh, it was it was a perfect film. Um, and I know, yeah. I know, of course, you're gonna say this, but yeah, give us your yeah your two cents on it. Yeah, for me, uh, also, if you've listened to the show before, you probably have heard me tell the story before that this is possibly my favorite theatrical experience I ever had. Like it was such, it was so emotional. And like, I felt like writing the highs and the lows of this movie, like the energy of the crowd was so unbelievable. And what was amazing, I said, I told this part of the story before too, it wasn't even here in the main populated area of Eureka, but it was in Fortuna which is just a, a, you know, a couple cities to the south of us. I went, went there because it was the, uh, the bigger uh, screen. So went there for that. And yeah, I couldn't have been happier with the, uh, the theater experience. It was such a buzz. It was so alive. And just every moment, uh, Avengers assemble, just like the crowd just like lost their mind. And yeah, like, to me, as a fan of the MCU, like it did feel just like it was so awesome. This culmination of everything that came before it, the 20 films that like led to this moment, like it really did just everything felt like such a great payoff. And if you listen to the first part of we were talking about these movies, which I hope you did when we we're talking about uh, return of the king i had that vibe here like instead of like the three movies paying off you had the 20 movies paying off here in endgame and i just couldn't have been happier with uh what we got in endgame and and to me like we were just talking also about infinity like that was so well done but like also like to leave you that stunned and let you sit with that for a whole year the way they paid it off here with uh, in-game, just like I said, every moment of Avengers Assemble to even, you know, the uh, I Am Iron Man, that snap, like, just so good. Even just the way that Thanos puts his head down, too, in his final moments. Oh, man, beautiful film. The, the, the goodbye to Tony. Just everything. Yeah, I love in-game. And it's, it's hard to put anything for me um, on the top of it. Like, I love Ragnarok is probably right there, probably number two for me. But, yeah, in-game with a bullet for me is number one in the MCU. Did Thor get skinny? Or was he still all fat through the whole movie? And in-game? Yeah, no, he yeah. was big. He was a big guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> He's actually still pretty big in, if you saw the trailer for yeah. uh, 
Love and Thunder, it shows he does like a workout regimen. He's using the chains. It was like it's like uh, the chains of this uh, giant or something. That's giant skeleton who is like chained, and he's using the uh, the chains as like the rope that you. Uh, put up and down you pull up and down because <laughs> i'm looking at the pig the poster for endgame and it's got the the chiseled up short-haired thor on it and i'm like i don't think he looked like this <laughs> no because even in the final battle you could see like they they armored him up he got like he called in the thunder and he got armored up but he's still bulky during yeah, the, the thanos fight he was the Lebowski Thor. So. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I need to watch this one again. I thought the beginning was the best uh, when uh, we see what happens. But that one part did get me when um, Ant-Man, what the hell's his name? Um, Scott Lang, Paul Rudd. Yeah, when he, uh, when he came back and then wanted to know to see if his daughter uh, yeah, died and he was running around. I was like, oh. And uh, when they hate when he had his reunion with his daughter and she was she was alive. So I was like, oh. But yeah, I have to rewatch this one again. But yeah, Endgame uh, number eight. All right, moving on to number seven. I saw this film the night it came out. I saw it at the drive-in. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what we went and seen with my parents. It was me and my brother and my mom and dad. I took us to see something, but I had kind of had no interest because I was sitting in the back of the van looking over onto the other screen. And I saw the 1979 Ridley Scott sci-fi horror classic Alien. Uh, for those of you who don't know this story, and I've said told this story a million times on the show, I did not hear one word of dialogue when I watched this film. I didn't. Uh, I was just looking out the back window and watching everything that was happening on the screen. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, I was like, whoa. I mean, I didn't really know what, what, why they were there, who they were, what was going on or anything. All I know is this alien came out of this guy's stomach and they were all trying to kill it on this spaceship. That's all I knew. I actually didn't see this and hear dialogue until um, it came on like showtime. Uh, maybe 1980 uh, is when I finally seen it. Um, I knew what it was called, and I was just like, oh. And I remember going into the concession stand in the back at the Coliseum driving and uh, looking at the poster and just, I'm, I'm surprised I don't have it hanging here in the in the studio. I, mean, I got xenomorphs. I got some, like, four xenomorphs sitting right here in front of me on my desk. Um, but this film, the theatrical version... I love it. It is a perfect film. But when they did the quadrilogy or whatever box set, they did the special editions for Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. Um, They had the theatrical versions, and then they had the special edition ones. Uh, The Aliens, that special edition one, I think that's my favorite out of the box set because Alien was longer, and they uh, showed a lot of more stuff in it. But when the the director's cut for this one, they added um, a scene uh, at the end when, um, when Ripley finds Dallas. 
uh, Tom Skerritt's character, and he's like cocooned down in the belly of the ship or whatever. But then I was thinking, I, I could see why they cut it out because the, when they were like in Aliens, when we seen all those uh, uh, people were cocooned, it was because they were being used by the Queen to uh, have more xenomorphs. But I don't think this one was a queen, so I, I can see why they, they cut that scene out. But I did like that scene. And there was also a scene when, um, when what's-his-name gets killed, Harry, Harry D. Stan's, uh, Stan's character, um, Brett, when he gets killed, there's a scene where you can see the alien hanging uh, from the chains. And there were some other, some, some other scenes that they kind of extended uh, within the film. But overall... Uh, I yes, I'm, I'm going to say the theatrical version is a masterpiece and it is perfect. Um, I always watch the special edition one, but the last time I did watch this film, I watched it on uh, I don't know one of these channels, and uh, it was just the theatrical version. And the film was just amazing. It just it always takes me back to that time, the very first time I saw it, being the little eight year old Nez sitting there watching this movie and just my little eight-year-old brain trying to figure out what's being said and what's going on in this film. But yeah, this movie is awesome. Uh, I love it. Um, I have, when they do do those, uh, bringing the old films back to the theater, I go and see this uh, all the time on the big screen because it's amazing. I know you can watch it now with the 4Ks and and all that and the big giant TVs, but nothing, to me, nothing beats the uh, big giant theater screens. So, um, but, uh, well, you weren't around in 79. When did you first see this? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until much later. Um, yeah, I think it was, it wasn't until honestly, probably, uh, it, it took me a while to even get onto the series. It probably was kind of like a marathon alien aliens. I think even alien three, uh, was how I initially like experienced these. So um, I got a few things to say about it, but one thing I want to throw at you first, as far as like classic status goes, uh, would you put alien higher or would you put aliens higher? Cause I know traditionally actually it feels like people consider aliens to be the more of the classic film. If it's out of if it's out of those two, uh, I'm gonna go Alien. Um, wow. This, okay. This one was more sci-fi horror. Aliens. Sure. That was more just a sci-fi action film. Right. Yeah. I mean, not to not to say it was bad. It was an amazing film. One of my favorite um, James Cameron films. But I loved this one only because it was it was the first. Uh, they really didn't have much weapons to fight it, and they didn't know what it was. Um, and they the, kind of really, well, we knew why the company sent them down there, uh, because Ash, uh, told, uh, Ripley and those guys why they were there and what they wanted to do with it. But then the story continues with, with aliens and them still wanting that and then leads into alien three and resurrection. And then with the alien versus predator films, they still wanted those, the, they still wanted the xenomorphs and everything to get a queen. 
uh, in the comic book lore of the Dark Horse series ones, there was like aliens and then there was uh, colonial marines and then there was alien versus predator comics and aliens versus Superman and everything. But um, I I loved this one because it was it was just one xenomorph. Uh, it was new to all of us and, and new to them. And they were just trying to to stop it. Um, they knew that the company wanted them to bring it back, but they're like, hell no, this can't get back to Earth because if it does, it's going to just kill everyone. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I really love that one. But th- that being said, Aliens, that's still a masterpiece because um, I remember yeah. when we saw that opening weekend and we were just blown away. I had no idea it was going to be an action film. I don't really remember. I don't really remember seeing uh, a lot of trailers for it. I mean, we so we knew it was coming, but um, that was it. So when we saw the film, we were like, "Oh my god!" With all the high tech stuff they had in there, and the, the colonial marines, and the pulse rifles, and and everything, and the little tanks they were flying around in, and the little drop ships, and all that. That was amazing. Um, because this one, what it says here, a crew of commercial spacecraft encounter a deadly life farm after investigating an unknown transmission. Yeah, um, with with the prequels, uh, Prometheus and uh, Alien Convent or Con- whatever the hell that one was, that one was garbage. Uh, Prometheus still left me with a lot of questions on actually what, where the where these things came from. Um, I know they're still talking about making another one. To, uh, they were going to do another one and have Ripley come back. I guess it was going to be a sequel to Aliens, a direct sequel to Aliens, but I guess that got shelved. I remember they did a lot of concept stuff I thought looked pretty cool. And uh, Michael Bean was supposed to come back, uh, but we know that he died. If you guys saw Alien 3, uh, the David Fincher film, which I think is an amazing film, and I know a lot of people hate that one. I loved Alien 3. Um, Controversial. If, yeah, I think if if I'm going to add that to the mix, I'm just going to say all four of them. Uh, I'm going to go Alien, Alien 3, Aliens, and then Whoa. Alien Resurrection. Wow. I, I loved Alien 3. I thought it was an amazing film. I loved it because I loved it like it was like this one. I mean, there, there was more people, more guys, those prisoners that were fighting on that planet, and it was only going up against one but they didn't have weapons. They had like pieces of metal and fire and stuff like that to fight it. And it was a different version of a xenomorph. It was a, a dog xenomorph. The director's cut made it. It was a yak. And that, that, that didn't make any sense. Uh, don't ask me why, but that's what <laughs> they, they did film it with that. And it was stupid. I, I like the dog that they used. But I, that's why I loved Alien 3, because it just reminded me of this one. All these people right. trying to survive. Uh, the only one who really knew what it was was Ripley, and um, they didn't have any weapons. There was no guns or anything. Not like how aliens with the, the Marines, when they rolled in there with full arsenals and, and bombs and everything, and they they went up against an army of the Xenomorphs. I don't even know how many there was. There was a lot of them. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but Alien, uh, perfect, perfect, per- <coughs> excuse me, perfect film. Uh, I loved it. When did you first see this one? Yeah, like I said, it probably wasn't until the uh, later 90s, uh, mid mid to late 90s. Like I said, I, I saw probably, uh, like I said, oh, the yeah, trilogy. Of I'm sorry. So, 
You answered it. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That, uh, <clears throat> that's fine. Uh, we'll yeah, what I'll say to <laughs> what I'll say to uh, kind of expand upon that is you you know pretty much nailed it that the you know vibe of each one is completely different and there is that almost you know more psychological element that makes it completely understandable why people would put alien on top for me personally i actually do i probably personally would put aliens above just because of it does lean more into the action and you know there's a little bit of even a comedy element there between the marines and whatnot you know game over man <laughs> so uh, but yeah no i totally get why uh Alien would be considered. I mean, it is the original, so how could it not be considered, you know, the masterpiece, the perfect film? Yeah, I mean, this was the first one made, but then the the two prequels, and I guess you could say Alien versus Predators were prequels because this Alien film was way, way in the future, and the Alien versus Predator ones were not, so, but... Take those out of the timeline. But if you put those in the timeline, those are actually after Prometheus and Convent or whatever that one was called. But anyway, Alien, number seven, perfect film. All right, this one is my all-time favorite Pixar film. This is uh, 1995's uh, Toy Story. Uh, this is the original one. They, they gave us four awesome films. Um for 95 uh, CGI, I thought it was amazing. But as each film went along, uh, like Pixar films, the the computer work just got better and better and better. Because when we get to Toy Story 4, it almost looked like real. That's how good the uh, CGI is for um, for these films that they're doing. Even did a good job with that, that last one they did. The one that's on the red something or... Um, what was that one? Turn yeah, turning red. That one, <laughs> that was even good. But Toy Story: A cowboy doll is profoundly threatened by a jealous, uh, threatened and jealous when a new spaceman figures uh, supplements. Uh, yeah, him as a toy, in uh, a boy. Oh, it's not a very good um, synopsis, but you guys know what Toy Story <laughs> is. Woody and Buzz. Woody being the favorite toy, Andy, and then he gets a. Uh, Buzz Lightyear, uh, one of the Space Rangers. We we got that new film coming, Lightyear. Uh, that look that looks pretty good. Is um yeah. Tim Allen voicing that or no? No, it's Chris Evans, Captain uh, America. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. Um, I saw a trailer, but I, I don't really even know what's going on. I'm I'm still gonna see it. I mean, I, I just. Uh, I'm sure, though, what's going to happen, though, is Tim Allen is going to appear like once because it's the story of how this guy became like immortalized as a toy. That's why it's Chris Evans. So I'm sure we're going to get in the end. There's going to be a thing where like a Tim Allen, you know, basically comes in and like records the lines for the toy, you know. Like, yeah, I imagine that's what's happened. <laughs> but this one, out of all the Toy Story films, I can watch over and over and over. I loved it. There was a lot of good uh, voice actors in it. Uh, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, the late and great Don Rickles. Uh, 
um, Wallace Shawn, Jim Varney, um, uh, what's the name? Cliff, the the postman, uh, John Rat Ratzenberg or whatever, uh, Mima, uh, Sheldon's grandma, Annie Potts, and so on. Even um, uh, Sheldon's mom. Lorraine Metcalf, <laughs> she was uh, in this, and uh, Arlie uh, Ermy Erme, I think that's the name. He was uh, one of the Green Army men. Uh, rest in peace. But this movie was hilarious. My favorite scene in this film is when uh, Woody and Buzz are under uh, under the truck at the gas station, and when uh, when Buzz, because that this Buzz still thinks he he's a real space ranger. <laughs> And he's telling Buzz, and he's like, "Yeah, man." He goes, "I, I got to do it, and I got to defeat Zerg or whatever the lines he was saying." And uh, and Buzz was walking over, look, or uh, Woody's looking at him like he's got this what the fuck look at his face, and he goes, "You are a toy. <laughs> you are a child plaything," and he's just yelling at him. I remember that first time we saw. We actually saw this in the drive-in. Uh, Tiga was just, uh, she was little. She she was a year old, and uh, I think Marky was a baby, baby. I remember Marky was there, and he was just sitting there sleeping. Uh, we saw this. It was a double feature with Jumanji. Awesome film. Uh, rest in peace, Robin Williams. But this film was awesome. Once it came out, uh, it was before DVD when VHS came. We wore that videotape out. And then DVD came and Blu-ray, and I think it's 4K as well. I don't know, but um, got Disney Plus. You can watch it whenever we feel like it. But Toy Story, amazing, amazing film. When did you first see this one? Yeah, uh, 95, so I was 16. My story behind this is interesting because obviously that's the beginning of Pixar, um, and obviously we weren't even using the Internet back then, so or a majority of people weren't, obviously. Um I just remember, you know, me and my group of friends, two, two cool young, you know, kids, 16 year olds and whatnot. And uh, we had one of our friends who told us, uh, you got to see this. Like, it's so good. We were like, oh, oh yeah, right. Oh, this and that. And he's like, no, I'm serious. And I think we went to um, the uh, I've mentioned this recently on the show that Dollar Theaters uh, Greenbrae in Sparks, and I think that's where I saw it for the first time. And yeah, I mean, uh, my friend wasn't lying. It uh, definitely uh, lived up to the hype and was for everybody and really set the table for everything that uh, was to come with Pixar. So yeah, um, hard to deny. Uh, Toy Story, that's for sure. <laughs> The little ghetto hood theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw um, Batman and Robin there, uh, Phantom Menace, Scream, the first one, and I know I saw some other films there, but I can't remember. But the, I think Scream was the first time I went there. But, but uh, yeah, Toy Story, 1995, perfect, perfect film. Yep. All right. This next film I never seen, so I, I don't. That's about all I can tell you about. But I can tell you the synopsis. But this is twenty four. Boyhood, uh, the life of Mason from early childhood to his uh, arrival at college. From what I understand, this is a film where it took however many years because they started filming it when this kid was little, and then just 
kept going and filming and filming as he grew up. Um, that's this film, right? Yeah, uh, I did see this. Uh, I remember all the hype around it. Uh, I'm a fan of the director's uh, other films that I've mentioned before, the uh, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, uh, that series of films that he does. And he always works with uh, uh, Ethan Hawke. And it's interesting that uh, that's what he did here. And it is a truly unique project in that every couple of years they get together to film scenes and then eventually put this put this film together so that's a truly unique take on it you didn't just like use makeup on it or recast and stuff like that like that was kind of the cool part that um you cast this kid and it wasn't just like yeah commitment of uh you know 30 days or three months or whatever it was like Years upon years, like it really was um, having this kid grow up. So I appreciate it from that standpoint. I mean, it, it wasn't like uh, on the stories. It's, it, it, I mean, it is what it is. So it wasn't like that amazing otherwise, I'd say. But um, just the technical aspect that they committed that much time to it is so cool. <laughs> I wonder how many years it took to filmless um let's see it should say on the um like the trivia here on uh, imdb i'll look that up real quick it says film from 2002 to 2013 yeah there you go there you go math that uh (laughs) 11 years The film was shot over 45 days from May 2002 to August 2013, which, roughly speaking, is spanning more than 4,000 days. Yeah. Um, the actors were contractually obligated to return to the film each year under this law under California Label Code, which makes it illegal to contract employees for more than seven years of work. According to Patricia Arquette, Richard Linklater asked her not to have any plastic surgeries since it wouldn't wouldn't make sense for her character. (laughs) Oh, I had to tell her. but uh, I'm going to have to check it out. I believe it's streaming on um, uh, HBO, so I'll I'll check it out. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. Uh, Yeah, so I've never seen it every once, so I I can't tell you what. Yeah, almost three hours, but deserved for the amount of time. What was that? Like I said, 11 years. Was it a perfect movie? It was for that aspect. If you told if you if that wasn't a thing, I wouldn't say so. But the the commitment and the 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 prolonged filming of it to me, it, it earns it based on that. But if you're just talking about just the story, it is a coming of age story. But what makes it incredible is that they did spend the 11 years, you know. So. All right. That was Boyhood coming in, number five. All right. Uh, down to the last four. Uh, number four. This is a film that came out in 1968. I didn't see it until much later, maybe in the 80s. Uh, but I did hear about it, and especially in sci-fi books. That I read mainly after the Star Trek, the motion picture, and Star Wars. 
uh, I started seeing things about this film. And this is uh, the Stanley Stanley Kubrick classic film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, the monoliths. What was that? I was just yelling, Hal! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> open, the, open the pod bay doors, Al. Uh, the monoliths push humanity to reach for the stars after their discovery in Africa generations ago. The mysterious objects lead mankind on an awesome journey to Jupiter with the help of Hal 9000, the world's greatest supercomputer. Um, even when I was able to, I remember watching it when I was young, when it was on TV, and I did not understand what the hell was going on in this film uh much later probably late 80s when i'd sat down there and watched it again oh i saw it again right after i saw 2010 uh that one was a little more uh, laid out there for you to understand what the hell was going on in that one so i had to go back and rewatch 2001 and it took me a few watches to go ah okay i see what's happening here i see uh what they're trying to do but as far as it being a perfect film uh, I think so. I think um, when we're dealing with sci-fi space movies, I mean, Star Wars, Star Trek, or whatever, at what have you, even Alien, uh, with all the explosions and the sounds of space, and they're they're saying that there's there's no sound in space. There shouldn't be explosions because there's no air. Um, this this space was silent. I mean, you, you didn't hear anything. <laughs> so I, I really loved what was going on in this. Uh, the sets were amazing. The score uh, was awesome. I, I had the soundtrack on vinyl. The uh, the model spaceships uh, were awesome. Uh, I loved it all. And the, how the computer, that was that was amazing on uh, yep. what was going on. Uh, Kier Duella, I think that's his name. Uh, he was uh, Dr. Dave Bowman. I mean, he, he was good. He even came back to reprise his role in 2010. But I thought everything in this film was awesome. Again, it took me multiple multiple watches to get what was happening. Because, I mean, Star Wars and all that spoiled me for sci-fi. That's what I wanted. And when I started watching old sci-fi films, and it was not... It was not Star Wars. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, all right, whatever. But as I got older, I was understanding. I mean, every sci-fi film can't be Star Wars and there can't be action and explosions and uh, light swords and, and, and all that in it. But I mean, l- like I said, everything in this was awesome. And it's, uh, especially the end was basically a big uh, acid trip. I wouldn't want to be on drugs. I don't do drugs, but I wouldn't want to be on drugs <laughs> watching all that stuff that was going on at the end. I, mean, I remember the first time I saw it and I was like, what happened? He, he's looking at himself and and he just keeps getting older and older and older. And then he turns into a baby <laughs> at the end floating around his face. And I remember like, what, what happened? <laughs> what did I miss? So that's why I had to rewatch this movie over and over. And I was kind of like, ah, I get uh, what's going on. I did like the whole monolith things. I was still a little iffy on uh, what those were. I haven't seen this film, much less 2010, in, in a really long time. But uh, as far as it being a, a perfect film, yes, I, I can say uh, Kubrick's uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is is a perfect film. I mean, I loved it. Um, I, 
everything I've read or documentaries I've seen on Stanley Kubrick saying that he's is a perfectionist and he'll film a scene over and over and over and over again until he's just completely satisfied with what he filmed. And I'm sure uh, he did this, especially if you were familiar with his uh, with his camera work and what he does, all his films are in habit. Those long shots of them following them or, or in front of them and all that. I always go to uh, The Shining. I think that's a, an amazing film. That's a perfect film, but it's not on this list. But uh, 2001, what, what do you say about this one? Yeah, I completely get why it is. Uh, much deserved, like you said. If you love anything sci fi, this set the table for it. Uh, Interesting uh, aside is, uh, you know, as I watch all these uh, Big Brother shows that I always mention, watch the U.S. one, the Canadian one I love, recently watching the Australian version, their version is different from the other ones, though, in that the house does, like, talk to them and is like a character, and it sounds like Hal, which is actually... It's kind of cool, but it's, like, also funny. And it actually does make a lot of, like, dry jokes to the housemates. So uh, that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, the distant future, the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, movies are bullshit. We don't have uh, <laughs> we don't have flying cars and... Yeah. All the stuff they had in this. <laughs> it is the distant future, the year uh, 2000. Uh, I was thinking we were going to have all this by then, but uh, we since passed it. <laughs> we yeah. haven't seen any of this stuff yet. But, uh, but it's still an amazing, an amazing film. If you haven't seen it, I believe it's on uh, HBO Max. So check it out. Yep. All right, this is a film we have talked about. I've seen it once, and it went right over my head. Uh, I haven't watched it since then. Uh, I do have it, but this is uh, 2014's uh, Christopher Nolan's film, adventure, drama, sci-fi, Interstellar. A team of explorers travel through a wormhole in space in an attempt to assure humanity's survival. I... Dude, I don't remember anything about this film. And it, like I said, it went right over my head. I remember leaving the theater like, what the hell did I just watch? Because one of my friends, shout out to Sarah, she had seen this like multiple times in the theater saying it was just an amazing film. And she loved it. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, Vic, he loved it, too. And he was trying to explain it to me. Still went over my head. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, with that being said, take it away. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you listen to the show, you know my love for uh, the Nolan film Inception. Huge, huge fan of that film. So uh, my hype level couldn't have been higher for this. But I think personally for me, that worked against this film because of my love for Inception. And to me, how deep that film is, um, I think I was actually expecting a little more within Interstellar. So to me, Interstellar didn't reach that level of depth. Like, it, to it totally made sense to me, but at the same time, like, it didn't push the bounds like, like Inception did. So, um, 
<laughs> it's interesting. One of the biggest things, and it's funny how this happens. It happens with a lot of movies, but uh, uh, the uh, McConaughey crying meme from uh, you know the very emotional uh, climax of this film, like, has become a thing that just anytime anybody seems to post something emotional, it's like a go-to meme. Is the uh, Interstellar uh, uh, crying scene? <laughs> the one of his memes that I constantly see is that one from True Detective when he's uh, taking a drag off that cigarette, looking down. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep, that's what I see the most. But um, yeah, for me, it's okay. probably this one, probably Interstellar, the crying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember why he was crying. So I, I, I'm a, I have to watch this again because I, I don't know. All right, moving on to number two, number two, number two, and keeping it with Christopher Nolan. This is 2008's and my favorite film out of the the Batman series that he had done, uh, The Dark Knight. <clears throat> when the menace known as the Joker wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. Um, of course, Christian Bale and the late and great Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, Michael Caine, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, the great Gary Oldman, the great Morgan Freeman, and everyone else in this. Uh, as far as it being a perfect film, yes. Um, I'm glad there's no uh, director's cuts or anything. Uh, well, if, if there is, I haven't seen it. But this one I've seen on HBX, HBO Max multiple times. I have it multiple different uh, versions of it on Blu-ray and 4K. Uh, but I just loved this one. I loved Batman Begins and uh, Batman Rises or Dark Knight Rises. I thought that one was cool. But this one, I remember when they first, uh, we've talked about this before multiple times. When they first announced Heath Ledger as the Joker, I was like, Really? Uh, I just known him for the dramatic things and that one little lovey-dovey teen film he was in. So I was not expecting much. Um, the pictures came out on how he looked. I was still kind of like, what's with these big scars on his face? But all right, cool. But it did, there was, did some stuff like that in the books. So I was like, all right, okay, cool. Trailer came out. All right, this looks cool. I like how he sounds and how he looks. They dropped that uh, beginning scene. I can't remember what movie you had to go see to see the first uh, few minutes, um, basically the bank robbery scene in IMAX. And I remember seeing that and going, whoa, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. But then when I finally saw the movie, I was just like, oh, my God, I, I was blown away. Uh, Heath Ledger did win Academy Award first performance in this, and he had, he'd done, he had passed before this film came out. Um, so I, I, I don't know if he got to see any of it, but, um, it was, it was an amazing film on, on what was going on. I loved, uh, Chicago, uh, using that as Gotham, as Gotham city and everything. And, uh, the stuff that were shot with the IMAX cameras, I thought all that looked, uh, amazing. And this movie is just badass. I mean, again, I love the other two films, but this one just, blew those two away. I was hoping for a fourth one, 
uh, that Christopher Nolan would do, but he was like, nah, I just wanted to do a trilogy and, and I'm done and you guys can have them. But um, for some reason, if he ever itches to give us one more, um, I hope Christian Bale does it with him. I, I couldn't see him making another Batman film without him. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. But uh, we have The Dark Knight, and it was an amazing film. And yes, I can agree. This is a perfect film. I know there were some people that didn't even really care for this, and they didn't like uh, the performance of, of Heath Ledger. I mean, uh, we've said this before dealing with, with Jokers. Everybody does it different. Nobody did Joker the same. And right. even, um, what's his name? Uh, Jared Leto. The way he performed uh, his Joker in uh, in Suicide Squad compared to the couple minutes he did of um, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, that was it was Joker, but it was two totally different versions of Joker that he did. I liked that Joker he did in Justice League more than the pimped out, slick back, tattooed, uh, crazy Joker. But I did like him that. I would like to see all those scenes that he filmed that they said they cut out, but. Um, this one, Heath Ledger just killed it. Um, in in it, and I know people. Oh, you only like it because he had died. Even if he was still alive today, I, this would still be my favorite one uh, out of the out of the three Christopher Nolan did. Um, I saw this that midnight it came out. Uh, I'm glad they don't do that anymore. We were talking about that earlier. I'm glad they don't do that anymore. Thanks. Uh, they've been lately. They've been. They. I remember they were starting like at seven and eight. Now they're like starting at three and no, four. Like three and four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Dark Knight. Yes. Amazing. Amazing film. Did yeah. You see this uh, that night it came out. I didn't. Uh, and this is funny because uh, one of uh, your go-to lines on the show, um, and this was actually a different era for this, but uh, when it first came out. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, so, yeah, it wasn't even a theatrical thing uh, for me at first, which actually, I, I honestly, I'd have to say uh, took away from the first view. It, it probably did ruin uh, my appreciation for it uh, on the first viewing. It took me uh, having to see it uh, properly in the theater later to uh, – fully appreciate it you know i think it was because it was a dumb you know <laughs> theater cam version where uh, it kept moving away from the screen that whole thing and even back then it was a whole lot different how you even came upon these things it was like whatever it was i can't remember what it was at the time it was after napster it was like i think limewire or something like that or bear share or something like that are those still around? I know. I think LimeWire is. I do, I doubt BearShare is. <laughs> uh, is Napster still around? I thought they like changed up the format. They did. Like they tried to. I, I, it was like it makes sense because like just like the brand is even there. But I think they do exist as like basically like a version of. Uh, like they went legit. Like you, like it was like a, basically like an iTunes type store. Hmm. So, well, I never, I yeah, never, anyways, I never used it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know um, how. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, 
I, I completely agree with you. Of the trilogy, this is the standout. Um, it really does stand out, and it's uh, important and meaningful. And I do remember all that, like, scoffing at Heath Ledger, Ledger the casting. And the uh, internet was even more different then. That's right before, like, uh, Twitter and, and Facebook. It's just, uh, I, you know, MySpace pretty much back then. So, I mean, Facebook was around, but it wasn't... Um, the thing it turned into at the time that uh, Dark Knight came out. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was MySpace era when uh, right this one came out. I remember putting all kinds of Joker pictures up of like everybody that played Joker. Right. And I threw when I threw in a couple of uh, Heath Ledger's this is before I even saw the film. So, but yeah, number two, The Dark Knight, uh, perfect film, uh, Christopher Nolan classic. Probably my favorite yep. Christopher Nolan film. And if I had to pick a number two, I would go Insomnia. I really love that I one. can't believe Inception didn't make the list. And two other Nolan films did. And to me, my ultimate Nolan, Inception didn't. That's madness. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. I had to rewatch that one again, everyone. But uh, on to the number one. Uh, this film came out in 1975. I saw it the night it came out at the drive-in. Had no idea what it was. I fell asleep and didn't see the end. I did not see the full ending of the whole. I've actually watched the full film until 1975. But I saw most of it and I was little. I was four years old and I fell asleep. But I did see all the major stuff in the beginning of the film. I think I missed all the stuff at the end when they were uh, trying to catch it. And this was the Steven Spielberg uh, classic Jaws. Uh, when a killer shark unleashes hey. chaos on a beach community off Long Island, it's up to a local sheriff and a marine biologist and an old sea, sea fur, sea, however, to hunt the beast down. It was a uh, shark. Um, again, Steven Spielberg uh, was based off uh, Peter Benchley's book. Uh, the book is totally different from the film. Uh, Peter Benchley did uh, help write the screenplay and everything because I read the book, too, when I was older. And I was like, what the hell is this? It was the mob issues. Uh, Hooper was sleeping with uh, Mrs. Brody and um, Hooper survived or uh, no Hooper died in the book uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character and we know he survived uh, this one but got Roy Scheider uh, the great Robert Shaw Richard Dreyfuss Lorraine Gray uh, Murray Hamilton and Jeffrey Kramer and a bunch of other people that are in this film but um yeah, I can say uh, out of Steven Spielberg's film and out of out of the four Jaws films uh, that we got, um, this one is my favorite. Uh, I love all of them, actually. I mean, I know people don't like uh, Jaws 3D or Jaws Revenge, and Jaws Revenge is a Christmas movie. I don't care what any of you guys say. But anyway, um, this film was amazing. I know some, some of you New Jacks that watch it now are like... <laughs> It's it's so fake. It's this and that. Look at the time. We I always say this, everyone. If you're new to the show, this is how I am. We didn't have computers. This was an all or nothing days where they made every special effect from down to the amputated body parts that got bitten off, the, the guy's head with the eyeball hanging out, the actual Bruce the Shark 
multiple ones and it, and it didn't work. Watch that awesome documentary, uh, The Shark's Still Working. Um, I believe it's on the uh, the latest versions of the, the Jaws release. Um, and just the, if you know the history of Jaws, everything that went wrong while making this film went wrong. But they did it and it came out and it was an amazing film. The awesome score by John Williams um, is just amazing. He's worked with George Lucas. He's worked with uh, Steven Spielberg on multiple, multiple films of his. And it's just awesome. I, I love this film. This is a film I can throw in right now and we'll sit down there and watch every second of it and never be bored all the way to the very end of the credits. Uh, I love what's going on with that. And uh, I remember when we were kids, Mike had the vinyl soundtrack and we would listen to it uh, constantly and just play with our toys. And I have my Jaws figure around here somewhere. Um, I got that toy when I was a little kid, uh, maybe early 80s uh, or or maybe even late 70s. I, I remember I got the toy. It was a little plastic shark. It doesn't even look like Jaws, but I remember there was a sticker on top that said Jaws. So that was that is it. I don't know where he is. He's around here somewhere uh, on my desk of junk. But I've had that since I was a little kid, and I still have it uh, here in my collection. But this film is awesome. I have the multiple, multiple uh, VHS, DVD, Blu-rays. I got the 4K and the, the Steelbook and, and everything. And if they release another Steelbook, psh, of course I'll buy it. I'm still waiting for a Steelbook box set of all four films. But I don't know if we'll ever get that. Um, but this film is amazing. I love it. And did this scare me to go in the water? Hell yes, it did. And it still scares me, uh, when I go in the water, I don't want to get chewed up by a shark, much less drowned. Um, the, the poster still freaks me out. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, you got Chrissy swimming at the top and you got the uh, Bruce, the shark coming up, ready to get her. Uh, even that very first scene, uh, of how he filmed it. Uh, it was supposed to be, it was dark and, but I think they filmed it like during the day and they just made it look dark, but that the underwater stuff looked amazing on, on what they were doing. And the, the, the Jaws theme of him coming, I mean, that's, everybody has said that at some point in, uh, in movie history, be like dealing with water and everything. I mean, there's all kinds of references to Jaws in numerous, numerous films. I mean, they even had. Uh, a reference to Jaws in the first airplane uh, film in the very beginning, or even uh, Steven Spielberg's 1941 uh, when they they, they kind of gave you a little Jaws uh, intro to it. And but it's this film is amazing. I love it. Um, I will fight anyone that says this is a bad movie and it's not a perfect film. This was a perfect film, and it's perfect for all the crap that they had to go through to make it. And I, I just my hats off to them. I mean, with that, I guess right after that first viewing, I mean, there's a, I was an interview I was watching with Richard Dreyfuss, and he he was there for all the for the chaos and everything. But when the movie was over, he was like, he did it, he did it, on how amazing this film was. I mean, Spielberg thought this was the end of his movie career because all the crap that was going on, and I'm sure they went way over schedule and way over budget and everything. But this movie just killed. In the box office. So I saw it twice at the drive-in. Uh, the first time being when I was little. Then I saw it in 77 when the car 
that movie came out. It was Jaws was the second feature. And then uh, all the times that I, they did the the re re releases because I remember they they re released it on multiple times uh, in the eighties and I went back and saw it. Um, uh, I know they re released it right before Jaws two came out and I believe that was seventy eight. I think I can't remember when Jaws two came out, but um, uh, it was. Yeah, when did Jaws two come out? Oh yeah, seven. I was right, seventy eight. They released they re released Jaws. In the theater again. Um, I didn't get to see the double feature of Jaws and Jaws 2, which I would have loved. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about this film. This film was awesome. When did you first see this one? Yeah, uh, it wasn't until, obviously, later uh, for me. I do remember seeing it, though, when I was rather young and uh, still of elementary school age because we were living in Point Richmond, where they have a pool there, if you're familiar with the area, uh, the Richmond Plunge. Uh, often, when I go back through there, it's either open or closed. It seems like uh, it's always having to, they're always having to do repairs on it. But I remember thinking, even for that, uh, being in that pool, being like scared, like, oh no, I, like Jaws is in here, <laughs> in this pool, and it was a pool. And we were, you know, <laughs> we were just uh, in the little Richmond tunnel. We were, it was right around the corner. <laughs> you know, that was the proper, the bay, you know, the ocean, ocean there. And uh, I remember even going down there and uh, people would always find like little tiny, uh, little mini sharks on the rocks down there. So, uh, I mean, obviously the fear of all that comes from, uh, watching Jaws and it obviously is just this undeniable classic and I've heard uh, you know multiple people say that like this was the first like popcorn movie this is the first summer blockbuster this is like what set the table for everything that came after every uh, big budget blockbuster popcorn movie crowd pleaser you know, it all goes back to uh, Jaws is is uh, the film that uh, did it and, you know, brought people out. And, yeah, it was just crowd pleasing. So, yeah, it's unbelievably, you know, historic. Uh, I remember, though, we, we did get to the point uh, where... I know, uh, I, you know, Back to the Future did it, but I, there are other things, too, where everybody assumed that we were going to get, like, a million of these Jaws films. Like, Jaws 87! Because <laughs> it was one of the first films that, like, spawned, like, you know, not just a trilogy, but, uh, you know, further, you know? <laughs> they... There was multiple uh, shark films that came out after Jaws. Were they all good? No. <laughs> Mostly not, a, but yeah. <laughs> we didn't get a Jaws 19 like they had in um, Back to the Future 2. But, I mean, right. sh shark movies in general, um, uh, of course, the Sharknadoes. And which I love, <laughs> uh, 
but it, there's there's just a bunch of them, and there's some that are decent, and there's a lot of them that are crap. A lot, uh, a lot more that disappoint you, wouldn't you say? Like yeah. a lot more. It's harder to find a good one than it is, you know. The, there's just so many that are not that are not considered. Even like the further Jaws ones are not considered. Off the top of my head, as far as like respected ones, ones that uh, I enjoy. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Deep Blue Sea. And then I remember I was actually pleasantly surprised by uh, The Shallows. Uh, I didn't expect much of that at all. And uh, I really um, enjoy that one. The Shallows was decent. It was good. It wasn't overborn or overboard crazy CGI mess. The Meg, garbage. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Awesome, <laughs> good good blend of uh, late nine late nineties uh, CGI as well as actual practical effects with the sharks. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Shark Night was awesome. Shark Night three D was badass. Open Water was cool. Um, I liked the forty seven meters down movies, both of them. Uh, forty seven meters down, then forty seven meters down, uncaged. I liked those. Um, a couple of the shark attack movies were all right. I did like the crazy, stupid sharktopus. It was stupid, but I did like it. Um, and then they, the the three-headed shark attack ones and all that. The one with Rob Van Dam, I did like that one. But then the mega shark and all these other crazy things. Uh, but the last two shark movies that I saw, uh, the Requin, garbage. Uh, Great White, it had potential, but it, it was a, a little goofy. The Requin was just... Uh, hot garbage. Now that one came out to earlier this year. Uh, I'll be on my bottom ten uh, on the horror returns. But Gray White, uh, that one came out this year too. But um, I did like, I did enjoy that one a little bit more. It was a little goofy and everything, but it was better than the wreck one. Um, but I think uh, some of one of the movies that that I just absolutely hate is a film called Gray White, a, aka The Last Shark. Oh, that movie was just complete shit. Um, it was a total, total ripoff of Jaws. Universal went after them and sued them to say, you cannot show this movie anymore because it, this is our movie. You guys stole it. Um, yeah, it was Jaws. But and, but the, the shark effects were terrible. They just used one big giant shark head that didn't even move. It would just come out of the water and then go up and down. But with that being said, if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube. You watch the whole movie. Stupid. Um, uh, the first time uh, me and Mike went and seen some movie, I can't remember, and they showed a trailer for it, and it was called Gray White. And we we're like, whoa, this movie's going to be awesome. But it never came out. We we're like, what happened to Gray White? What happened to Gray? It never came out. I actually didn't see it until. Sometime in the 2000s. Um, I remember seeing it at a, at a convention, but I didn't want to buy it like for $30 on DVD. And it'd be, I would have been mad if I paid 30 and watched it. Not, but somebody put it on YouTube. So I, I saw it and oh, it is terrible. Um, I know there's people that do like it, but it, no, that movie is just garbage. If you want to watch it, go for it. But I highly advise you not to. But there, there's a billion shark movies out there. I did like that one with Lou Diamond Phillips. I think it was called Red Water. 
Uh, there was shark in this lake or in this river uh, or something. It's goofy, but uh, Shark Night 3D, that one was hella goofy, but it was awesome <laughs> with all these sharks in this lake. Uh, but uh, it's crazy. But then again, there's there's a tons and tons of other shark movies I've never really seen because they just sounded stupid. Um, yeah, Shark to Puss sounds stupid and, and avalanche, shark, avalanche Sharks and uh, Ghost Shark and sand sharks and everything else uh it's it's it just goes on and on and on. i i can't really watch it there's an amityville shark movie coming out um i think i'm gonna check it out eventually <laughs> uh, it just sounds stupid but uh wow. i never i never saw the sequels to deep blue sea i started the second one but it was just terrible I, I just stopped it. But I'll eventually go back because there is three of those films. There's a Deep Blue C3. I don't have no idea what that one's about. Um, Open Water, I thought that was cool. That was kind of different. It was a good movie. There wasn't a lot a lot of shark action, but it was cool. Open Water 2 was, was all right. Um, that one was more of a different movie. But, uh, yeah, The Shallows, I thought that one was really good. I, I did enjoy that one. I do have that one in the library, but... Again, with the Jaws films, I loved all four of them. 3D. If you didn't see it in 3D, the polarized 3D back in the day, you missed it. It's not. It's not the same now with these 3D TVs and everything. It's not. You had to be sitting in the in the theater, seeing the uh, the shark <laughs> coming at the screen right at the end of the blew up, and the craziness of Jaws 3D. It's dumb that they don't even use the Jaws uh, theme in it, <laughs> but. Ah, good old, uh, good old '80s goodness. But and Jaws of Revenge, uh, we saw that the night it came out. I enjoyed it. All my friends were like, "Why did we see this? This movie was a waste of money." I, I still enjoy it. I watch it every year uh, with my holiday uh, Christmas movies. And I think that was one of the first TikTok videos I did when I was talking about Jaws of Revenge. Uh, but anyway, um, twenty-five movies that are basically the best uh, for this part two. Number 10, Lady Bird. Number 9, Get Out. Number 8, Avengers Endgame. Number 7, Alien. Number 6, Toy Story. Number 5, Boyhood. Number 4, 2001 Space Odyssey. Number 3, Interstellar. Uh, Number 2, The Dark Knight. And number 1, Jaws. All right, everyone, we did it. We had to break it up into two episodes, but uh, uh, we we did it. We brought uh, all these movies, and like Dezisu said, there was... um, uh, what was that one? Inception. That wasn't on here for him. But also, uh, not, we messaged about Enemy of the State earlier. I yeah. watched that twice today, and uh, that's a classic for me. <laughs> um, there, yeah. I mean, I don't know who picked all these movies. They're good movies, not to say they're not. But I, I would have went uh, with some other movies. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at my my movies right now. I mean, I, I would have put through Dirty Harry or the first Death Wish in this, or yep. um, Evil Dead, something like that, <laughs> for as goofy as that movie is. But uh, there's a lot of movies, or even John Carpenter's films, like The Thing, that or Halloween, amazing. Those are perfect films. But I don't know. We didn't make this list. Yeah, uh, but if I was to sit there and try to think of 25 perfect films that I think. Um. Yeah, you I, just I would put I would put Star Wars and Empire in there. I, I that would, those would be the only Star Wars movie or Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. I would throw that in there. Um, Alien would be on my list, of course. Uh, probably Alien Three as well. Um, Dark Knight would have been there. 
Um, if I would have went kid route, yeah, Toy Story would have been there. Um, Get Out, maybe, but I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't have had Titanic <laughs> on here at all. <laughs> Uh, or even Citizen Kane or Godfather 2. I'd add maybe Godfather uh, in there, but that's just me. My, my taste is all over the place. But that was the 25 films uh, that are basically perfect for listchallenges.com. Uh, thank you for listening to the first part, and this is part two. It would have been all one shot, but I had to get my grandkids in bed, so that's why we broke it up into two episodes. But if we didn't, this probably the pod would have been four hours. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense this way. Yeah, it really makes yeah. sense this way. So. We, we we broke it up for you. For so all of you that did listen to the first uh, episode, uh, thank you. And um, if you're listening to this one before that one, go back and listen uh, to the first part and uh, see those talk. Hear us talk about all those other films. Uh, we got more and more for you coming for Anchor. But uh, be just follow us there as well as over on uh, the regular the, the regular network, the Podbean network, Skater and his podcast network. Uh, we got a new episode coming. Um, I just need to write down everything and send it to the Zisu and let them know what I watched uh, this past few weeks. Um, also, uh, like and subscribe and all that on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on uh, Instagram, the, the East Society Pod and the MacNez Pod. Or follow us on our personals, Mac, at MacNez or at the Zisu. Uh, same thing for Twitter. Um, I do what I can over there. I'm mainly just watching people fight uh, in videos on Twitter. But I do put stuff there. Um, what else? What else? Oh, uh, definitely go over to T Public and uh, pick up an East Society shirt or as well as a MacNez one. Uh, links uh, to that are in the description and the show notes uh, for this episode or any episode dealing with the East Society. I always put everything there, everywhere you can find us, be it uh, Anchor, Podbean, whatever, and what have you, uh, and everything. So, but we're all over the place to search East Society podcasts, and we're the only East Society podcast that I'm aware of. Um, so, but uh, we got uh, a ton more for you guys coming. And uh, in the next episode, you want to listen to our whole wrap-up of uh, the One More Heim tour down in uh, Berkeley, California at the Greek Theater. Uh, we had an amazing time, and we'll talk about that. That episode, I guarantee you, will be three hours. Because <laughs> we're going we're to have a lot to say uh, about that about that show um, and whatever else we, we, we talk about. But with that, um, thank you for listening. Come back for more. And until then, everyone be safe out there. And always remember to party on. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Till next time, have fun, be safe, and we'll see you next time, you society.